With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Welcome in, Mackie and Judd, which today is Judd, executive producer Declan Goff, and no, that's not Phil. It is Darren Doogie Wilson, who's kind enough to sit in for Phil, who is off today, Channel 5 Eyewitness News, Scoop Master, Scoop Podcast, of course, for Score North, always brings us some great information. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning, Judd. I would take those Phil Mackie management paychecks, yes. if that's possible. I don't know if I would take the show paychecks. But those management paychecks, he's Mr. Manager. Yeah. yeah. Give me those paychecks. So I, if Phil wants to toss me a little bit extra for this mini appearance this morning, I'm all for it. I, I think for semantics, dudes, I, th- I think it's technically director money. I don't know if like, I, I think I think it's even director money on top of manager. So there might be two things we're trying to we're trying to po- poach from him there. Do you do you guys want though? I, I mean, it might be good pay. I have no idea. But do you want the headaches? I don't want to manage people. I mean, Phil Phil has fallen into the world of meetings. That's hell. Like if I <laughs> like if I die and God's like Judd, I didn't like you much. I will be sitting in meetings all, all day. Forget the fire. You know, forget, forget uh, Beelzebub, Gehenna, forget all that. It's meetings I loathe. So Phil can have the money because he just does nothing but meet and 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 brainstorm. Uh uh-uh, uh, that's not for Judd Doogie. Yeah, no, you and me agree on that. Yeah, I mean, jealousy and envy on the money part, on the like at times needing to be a bleep hole, right? Like you need to be. Well, Tough at times, yeah. right? Like maybe oftentimes. Ro- Rocco's supposed not to be, everybody is going is. to like you. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not quite sure that I can. I not can handle general. that sort of situation. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I guess I understand where you're coming from when you say that you don't want to be Phil Mack. All right, topic one, Dukes, the Wolves. Now, now I saw some tweets last night as the NBA free agency period started about where are the Timberwolves. Did Gerson fall asleep? I give you credit. I remember you telling us several times on different scoop shows, bonus scoop, etc. Don't expect a lot, partially because of where they are with the cap. Don't expect a lot from the Wolves in free agency. So I'm going to guess that the lack of activity that we saw off, uh, off the start last night did not surprise you. It did not surprise me, although Gerson Rosas is in Los Angeles, the so-called center of, of the free agency hub. He's been in contact with agents. Like, they kicked the tires, for example, on Mo Harkless, who ended up getting pretty good money from the Sacramento Kings. Now, the Wolves did not make him an offer, but they're trying to engage different agents in some different scenarios, including Lori Markkinen. They have talked to the Lori Markkinen camp. Now, that looks like a sign-and-trade possibility with Chicago. So then the question is, is Chicago at all intrigued by you know, Juancho Hernan Gomez's expiring contract. He's got that option on the third year. So essentially it's an expiring contract. Jarrett Culver, which essentially is an expiring contract if you don't want to exercise the following year option. Would you give up? I mean, here's the bottom line, Judd. Would you give up a future first-round pick for Laurie Markkinen? I think if the Wolves want, there is a pathway to acquiring Laurie Markkinen. He's a restricted free agent, so technically if they end up with Laurie Markkinen, they would be active in free agency, but I think to make that work, I really do think you need to give up a future first-round pick. Now, it would have protections on it 
So, you know, how far are you willing to go? Top 10 protection, lottery protection. You know, I mean, I think those are some of the conversations, at least internally, that the Wolves are having that Gerson is wrestling with. But I do think if he wants to acquire Lori Markkinen, there is at least a logical path. Now, it's not like it's the Wolves are bust. There are other teams interested in Lori Markkinen. But I'm just saying, if the Wolves wanted to make that sort of transaction, there is a pathway to doing it. Would you? Is, is that the type of transaction or the type of trade and the type of player that you think they need? And Because Phil went through a list of five available players on the Monday show, and Markkinen was atop the list. And the one thing he said is, well, he doesn't play defense. He he can shoot, but he's not going to, despite his size, do you a lot of good inside. Is that the type of player this team needs? Or are they so in desperate need of defensive help, Dukes, that it's going to make far more sense if they do make a trade, probably, that it is for a guy who provides rim protection and actually enjoys the art of playing defense? Well, sure. I mean, if you could find a way to acquire Miles Turner, Sign me up. I would take Miles Turner over Laurie Markkinen. Okay. But would I take Laurie Markkinen, depending on the price? I would. I mean, 40% from three-point range, you know, 48% shooter, you know, from, from two-point range. I mean, he's an elite shooter. I don't have the specific numbers in front of me. It's, it's in that vicinity. The rebounding, if I'm not mistaken, went up slightly this past season. But, yeah, I mean, he is a minus defender. Make no mistake about that. He is not a good defensive player. I'm not big on giving up future first-round picks. I'm just not. Maybe it's recency bias going back to last Thursday, but as a really good young prospect, Jonathan Kaminga is sitting there on the board at pick seven. Judd, it hurt me. And I was on the record at the time saying, you had to get rid of Andrew Wiggins. It wasn't working here. D'Angelo Russell is Carl Anthony Towns' guy. Maybe you can recreate some of that Brooklyn magic with D'Angelo. I was on the record saying I would have done the deal at the time. But now when it's time to pay up, I'm just telling you, Jed, like, it hit me. It hurt me. It did. That the Wolves had to give up a first-round pick and a high first-round pick. And it didn't necessarily have to be Kaminga. It could have been somebody that went thereafter. But I'm intrigued by Jonathan Kaminga based on what I saw of of the highlights in, in the G League and talking to some people around the league. Like, that one hurt, giving up a teenager – like Kaminga. So I'm just, I'm not big on giving up first round picks for non all-stars. Yeah. Can you convince me to give up a first round pick or even two to acquire Ben Simmons with four years left on his contract? Yeah, you could on that one, but on Lori Markkinen, I would hesitate to give up any future first round pick. Dukes, how about this one from our friend Dane Moore, NBA? Reckless speculation. And I love this reckless speculation from Dane who just tweeted this out. No Terry on Prince content from the Timberwolves team accounts, even after the team announced the trade, gives more air to the theory that Prince could be traded again. Again, I like. I think a likely move is trading Prince for a player who makes less money, freeing up more wiggle room. I know there was a picture of him in a welcome post and not in the trade, but this deal has been done for days. And my point is that they have been no highlight package type of content released. That's what normally happens when these kind of NBA transactions does. The NBA is king obviously at social media and, and just interacting with their fans. But what about the theory of Prince also then being flipped again, even though he was just acquired for Ricky Rubio here in the next coming days? Well, yeah, I mean, they're not married, Declan, to Tory and Prince. Now, heck, they took some backlash social media-wise for some of those Juancho Hernan Gomez <laughs> Spain photos. So maybe they're just being, you know, uber careful, you know, on, on the tweets and Instagram. But yeah, I mean, the idea of them moving Prince... Hernan Gomez, I mean, Prince is an expiring contract. So, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. They are married, really, to two players, although I don't see a path to them trading D'Angelo Russell, but it's two players. It's Anthony Edwards. It's Carl Anthony Towns. Everybody else is on the table. Doesn't mean that there's a market for those guys, but, like, you may love Josh Okogie. Guess what? If another team wants Josh Okogie and there's a pathway to the Wolves improving their front court, Josh Okogie is getting sent out the door. It's just the way it is. So. Yes. Uh, Does Prince's contract hold value in that regard? It absolutely does. So, yeah, I mean, could Dane be on to something? 100%. Best guess, Dukes. Uh, Do you think that before training camp starts, Gerson makes what you would consider to be a substantial move, some type of substantial move? Well, I mean, I don't 
see John Collins landing here, even though the Wolves remain fans. The Wolves would love to land John Collins. I don't see how that happens. I don't see the path to Ben Simmons landing here. So, like, define to me substantial. Let's just say it's Laurie Markkinen, Judd. Does Laurie Markkinen, is he a needle mover? No, probably not. I'm, I'm probably talking about a trade that would bring you a guy that would improve an area of your team where you need help the most. Well, so Miles probably, Turner would be that guy. Yeah, right, but, right. But, but that's substantial, I think. And yeah, it Turner's would be. And you would absolutely have to give up at least one future first round pick for Miles Turner plus more. I would do that. Like, I think Miles Turner would be an excellent so you fit. Would, yeah. Okay. I just, I checked again earlier this week, Judd, with somebody in the know. They don't think Indiana is moving Miles Turner. Now, they did end up draft night with a big man, but when you give Rick Carlisle four years, $29 million, yes. you are trying to compete next season. They feel like they can be a top five, top six team in the Eastern Conference. Maybe you're not better than Miami, Milwaukee, Brooklyn, but maybe you can slot in right after that. Maybe you can be better than Boston, than Philadelphia. So, like, Indiana is all in on that. T.J. Warren back healthy. Karis LeVert for a full year. Malcolm Brogdon, Sabonis. Like, they have some pretty good talent. So, like, if you're Indiana, I'm not saying Miles Turner is untouchable. Like, they're not moving Sabonis, okay? We know that. Sure. You can get Turner, but Indiana wants immediate return. So, like, I just don't see how Malik Beasley... Even multiple future firsts, like I don't, I just, I'm missing, I'm missing how Indiana says yes to what the Wolves are willing to do. They're not moving Anthony Edwards for Miles Turner. So like, how, how are you landing Miles Turner? I just, I really struggle to concoct a legitimate option where, where Turner lands here. The Pacers end up with, you name the package, Prince, Beasley, whomever. I just, I, I don't see it. I really don't. Doogie, back to back to John Collins just for a minute. And obviously, I, I think I heard the other day they're still not close to even coming to a, a potential contract extension there in in Atlanta. If if the conversations at least, obviously a unprotected first round pick, and let's call it Malik Beasley and Jaden McDaniels, is that too much for John Collins, or is that at least some type of starting point in a trade if you would were to want to acquire someone like John Collins? Well, I think it would have to be two really good assets. Declan, you bring up Jaden McDaniel's name, who who the Wolves love. They are going to feature him prominently in Las Vegas. The league as a whole really loves Jaden. Like the Wolves could have, if they wanted to, the Wolves could have ended up with a lottery pick last Thursday if they wanted to move Jaden McDaniels. I mean, there's a lot of teams that really like Jaden McDaniels. So, like, do I think something like that could appeal to Atlanta when you're talking an unprotected future first round pick? And Jaden McDaniel, so two really good assets. Yeah, I think Atlanta would think long and hard about that. If you're the Wolves, would you do that? And are we talking, Declan, a 2022 unprotected first? Just somehow push that further out where you feel like, you know, maybe after a couple years of John Collins being here, Anthony Edwards in his third year, that maybe you feel like, okay, you're a legit top eight-ish team in the Western Conference. Or if you're giving them an unprotected first, it's more like pick 16, right. pick 15, not pick six or pick four or whatever it might be in the top seven or top eight. I mean, those are things you would have to consider. But like as you throw that out, and if Atlanta can't come to a happy medium with John Collins with his representation, Sean Kennedy and company, if they can't find that happy medium, and it clearly looks like Atlanta is not willing to offer him the max. So they might be willing to do, you know, $22, 23000000 million a year, but it doesn't look like they're willing to go all the way to the max. So that might be the sticking point. If you're Minnesota, are you willing to give John Collins the max? Like he's not – I don't think he's he's agreeing to a sign-and-trade scenario without getting the max here in Minnesota. So then have that conversation, Declan. Are you willing to give John Collins in the neighborhood of $25 million a year? It's tough. I mean, I, I, it's tough. I, w- I would consider it, but I mean, it's, it's tough. It, it, I think also if, if, if you could build around, I know this is just fantasy basketball here as it goes through my head, but would you, if you were the Wolves, would you rather have John Collins under a max or D'Angelo Russell under a max? I would rather have John Collins. 
It's just that would be a more tradable contract. Mm-hmm. I always look at it like, okay, I've got this guy. Can I trade him if needed? Now, do I think maybe there would be one team that would take on the D'Angelo Russell contract? Probably. Would you have to attach maybe a future first-round pick, though? Protected, but would you have to attach a future first-round pick? Again? Probably. Wow, I mean, that's normally, a... you need to do something like that to move multiple years at big money of a guy that's, you know, not an all-star. You know, he was an all-star once, but right now he's he's not an all-star. He's not a bad player, but he's he's not an all-star I would rather have John Collins. I just I think I could probably move the John Collins contract easier than Russell. Like, let me remind people, Philadelphia, I saw Bobby Marks of ESPN, who's my guy. I love Bobby. Mm-hmm. He was great on the draft coverage last Thursday. I'll track him down for a future podcast. My guy. Seriously. Love but you're going to rip him Marks. right now. No, and I think but you're gonna, he was told. You're going to rip him. I can feel no, it coming. No, I'm not going to rip him. But if you go to ESPN Insider, yep. he lays out a scenario where he's making the case for Philadelphia agreeing to a trade package from Minnesota. Now, his editor may have just assigned him that and said, Bobby, come up with, with some, even if it's not super realistic, at least makes the readers think. And so his idea was Russell, Beasley, and two future first-round picks with top five protection, mm-hmm. 2022 2024 maybe it was top seven protection but it was it was definitely some protection it's not like it was an unprotected pick in 22 and 24 I'm just telling you like until I hear otherwise I don't have a sense at all that Philadelphia has any interest in D'Angelo Russell all right on to the the I, I guess depressing story in town this week that would be the high hopes that we've had for the Vikings. And then comes this story from our friend Chad Graff of The Athletic this morning with Kirk Cousins already in quarantine for five days, which is going to end on Thursday because of uh, uh, exposure to COVID. The Vikings, according to Graff, entered training camp with one of the lowest vaccination rates in the National Football League. A source told The Athletic on Monday, at least five projected starters, according to that same source, have not been vaccinated. Clearly, that involves Cousins. Thielen, unless he got vaxxed, came out during um, during the springtime and said he's not vaxxed. Harrison, well, I mean, Har- Judd, I was, with, Smith. I was with Thielen. Yeah. What was that, July? And he he's not vaxxed, yeah. 16th or 17th. So that was at Woodbury High School. Unless something changed mm-hmm. from that day that now, you know, he got the first dose of Moderna, Pfizer, whatever. Right. You know, unless something changed from July 17th, I don't think he is. Now, it's possible. Maybe he got to TCO Performance Center and, you know, heard some more people and, and maybe he was convinced. But until I hear that, yep. like, I don't I don't think so. So I think Chad's on to something. It's at least five starters. I also think it's – I mean, I know of two guys that maybe you wouldn't consider starters, but that are going to play yep. plenty of snaps. So I think the number is closer to, like, seven, maybe eight. But I'll also add, Judd, I tweeted a couple weeks ago. Now, this could have changed. Once they got to Egan, reported. But I was led to believe I tweeted it, so it's on my Twitter page from mid-July, that I'm led to believe the Vikings are somewhere closer to the middle of the pack, not bottom. Like, there's five teams. Dr. Sills of the NFL came out. There's five teams, and, and Washington's on the record pretty much saying they're one of the five. And then the there's Colts five are teams. Too. Yeah, the Colts. Yep. There's five teams at the very bottom. Like, I don't think the Vikings are, like, there. Chad may be onto something with maybe their sixth or seventh or eighth. That's still pretty rock bottom if there's 22, 23 teams in better shape than you are. I saw Matt LaFleur, the Packers coach, came out on Monday. He said he's got – he named – well, he didn't name names, but he said we have 11 players yes. that are not vaccinated. I'll tell you this. I have a strong belief that the Vikings are at a number higher than 11. All right. So that being said – not um, way higher, though, Judd. Not way higher, yeah. but higher than 11. I also, I mean, we know Nate Stanley. There's at least one or two other guys that, like, you wouldn't at all consider 53-man and roster Ma- and Mon And Mon, we thought, was, and he was not, it turns out. So, but but the point is, it's not the number. That's a big deal, too. But the problem is the players. Uh, among the group of guys who came out in the spring and said that they weren't vaccinated, I think they had no attention to, Harrison Smith. 
Now, you've been reporting for a while on the status of his contract negotiations because he's in the last year of his contract. Until now, Zim and the Vikings have loved him because he's a great safety. What's your guess on how much this might impact things? Because I am guessing that if players are anti-vax completely, that's going to, in at least some instances, Dukes, change the relationship between the player and the team potentially. Sure, but he went on the record approximately June 16th, June 17th, mid-June, mm-hmm. after one of the minicamp practices. He was asked the question, and kudos to Harrison for being transparent, for answering it directly as opposed to Kirk Cousins and some others. Harrison Smith said, he went on the record, he was asked, are you vaccinated? He said no. I'm led to believe that the Vikings, since that point, now I don't know if it was July 8th, July 26th, but that the Vikings made him an extension offer. Now, it was backloaded, you know, so it may not have been a a great offer, but that they made him some sort of extension offer. So would that fly in the face of, of what you're laying out right now? It probably does, but the thing is, <laughs> the thing about this is that the whole thing that began Saturday with Mont testing positive Dukes for COVID, and, and then since he, he was in the QB room with Cousins and Stanley who, who weren't vaxxed, um, Zimmer on Saturday, as I was talking to uh, Royce about, seemed frustrated and pissed off, but I mean, he was frustrated. The guy at the podium yesterday seemed absolutely befuddled by how all of, of these guys, and I think that there were talks about you should be vaccinated, but Doogie, until now, there was not a, a warning shot of sorts. Like, this is actively saying this could happen on a Sunday, and right now, Jake Browning and Case Cookus are throwing passes. So I think that this has probably changed team feels about this, because it's one thing to say, you should get vaxxed. And the guy's like, well, yeah, but I'm not sick and I'll be cautious. And you're like, okay. And then, you know, the guy's exposed. And this league is looking to actively hammer players. And we can debate that, but that's a fact. They're looking to actively hammer the non-vaxxed players. So I just think that this might change now because we are seeing what could happen. There is a chance, Doogie, that on a Saturday night or a Sunday, someone tests positive, there's close contact, and Kirk Cousins is then ineligible for the next five days. So he's out. That could be the Packer game, the Bear game. I don't know. But, I mean, Zimmer now seems just at a complete loss because he's clearly asked these guys to get vaxxed. He's, you know, and all he cares about is trying to win. I would guess in, in his personal life, he might not be a big fan of of being vaxxed. I don't know, and it doesn't. That's not the topic here. The topic is winning football games. So that's why I think it might have changed a bit as far as the feeling towards guys who ordinarily will, you know, put their put themselves on the line to win football games, and now they won't get a shot to win football games. I don't know if it has a deep impact in the locker room, though. Management, coaching staff, yes, 100%. Now, maybe it divides the locker room if, okay, it's September 12th, and Kirk Cousins isn't out there, the Bengals end up winning the game. Yes. Then, yeah, then maybe it becomes an issue in the locker room. I don't sense, yeah, I don't sense it's a strong issue right now Mm -hmm. in the locker room. But yeah, Zim, other coaches, the front office, yes, big time. Like they're paying Kirk Cousins ungodly amounts of money in large part because of availability. If he's not available, yes, it can derail things. Like he misses a game, you end up with. Nine wins instead of 10 or 11 wins. That's the difference between making the playoffs and not making the playoffs. Like, yeah. I mean, Zim is on edge all the time anyway. (laughs) And so this just, this adds to it. Now, Mark Wilf, Vikings owner, meets the media here in about 30 minutes. We, Channel 5, will have a presence there. I'm not physically going to be there in Egan. But I'll be curious if Mark offers up any hints to this situation. Probably not. He'll be very careful with his wording, but I'll be curious to see his comments. But yeah, we know the pressure that Spielman and Zimmer are facing this year. Now, could it be a cop-out? If you're Zim, at the end of the year, do you go to the Will family and say, I tried. I brought in Alan Page. I brought in John Randall, Dr. Sills. We have the best access to doctors, heck, in the world. 
I brought all these guys on, whether it was via Zoom or in person, to educate these guys. What the heck else could I do? They made their choice. Yeah, it's idiotic, but they made it. And what the heck can I do? And we ended up, you know, going nine and eight, and we missed the playoffs. Like, is that my fault? You know, I'd be really curious in early January if that ends up transpiring, how the Will family reacts. But, you know, like, we're positive. Like, the clock is ticking. Like, they haven't missed the playoffs two consecutive years under Zim. If they do, I'm just not quite sure Zim is the head coach in 2022, which could be incredibly unfair. And that's why I think he's so pissed off. All right, Doogie. Yesterday, I I was all doom and gloom on this team after the vaccination things that happened over the weekend. And now Aaron Rodgers is back. So I'm just curious on your opinion. Phil was on the doom and gloom side with me. And for whatever reason, Judd was the most optimistic still on this Vikings team, which was a a rarity for this show. So I guess just a a question to you. After seeing what's happened now with with these vaccination rates, with Dakota Dozier still getting run at at the offensive line, Aaron Rodgers now back in Green Bay, do you still feel the Vikings have a still good chance to win the NFC North, or has your opinions on that changed in the last 72 hours or so? Well, I mean, the Packers are rightfully so the, the division favorites. Now, do I think the Vikings... End up with 10 victories? Yeah, I have them at 10 and 7. I think they do end up winning 10 games. But yeah, Green Bay, Declan, Green Bay to me is is the favorite. As long as Rodgers is the quarterback, I can't bet against the Packers. But I like a lot of of what the Vikings did in the offseason. You know, a lot of one-year deals, you know. I mean, that just signifies again how important this year is. You know, they need to get Christian Darris all healthy. Yeah. You know, I'm there yesterday. I'm seeing him off to the side again. I see Wyatt Davis with his left ankle wrapped. He's off to the side. Now, I'm told Wyatt Davis is very minor, and there's actually some optimism that before this week is over, you know, maybe it's Saturday at U.S. Bank Stadium or Friday, but that Darisol may be back. And if it's not Friday or Saturday, it's early next week. But, like, you think about this team's left tackle missing rep after rep. Yeah, it's it's concerning. It absolutely is. But I like a lot of what they did. I think the defense is going to be good. I know the defense had some hiccups yesterday. I talked to Sheldon Richardson after practice one-on-one yesterday. He told me Zim lit them up pretty good after practice. It was a rough day for the defense. But, hey, like Kirk Cousins isn't out there throwing the ball. I think it's just a natural tendency to, to ease up a little bit. They thought they would be in pads. Like that's a classic story where – the NFL sends out a memo on June 3rd and somehow it got lost in translation. Can you imagine that conversation when Rick Spielman went to Mike Zimmer's office yesterday and said, Hey Mike, uh, there was a clerical error. We messed something up. Hey, uh, you know how you plan to wear pads today? Uh, you're not going to be in pads. The today. chargers got pulled off the field after a certain amount of time practicing in full pads. They were pulled off the field and forced to go change out of full pads. It's just, it's epic. So you know, like the Vikings weren't alone. I think a lot of NFL teams yeah. somehow, you know, there's memo after memo, and they just they somehow had missed it that you needed to wait an extra day after the off day. So think about just every NFL team took Sunday off. You know, then you come back Monday. But coming off the day off, you couldn't be right in pads. So they'll be in pads today. But that was that, that had to be priceless. The way Spielman delivered it to us, there were a few of us. He came down the steps. Uh, right by where, where they do the uh, the outdoor press conferences, and he addressed us. He wouldn't do it on camera, by the way, because, of course, you know, me being the TV guy, I'm like, can we get him on camera? No, wouldn't do it on camera. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, he was stuttering through it a little bit, struggled with the word obscure, was trying to come up with it. And, yeah, I just – he wasn't – he wasn't in a good spot, Spielman, yesterday. But oh, man. that just adds – that just adds to, to this team providing, you know, fodder after fodder, storyline after storyline. But bottom line, I think they should be pretty good. You know, it always comes down to availability, right? Like, can you promise me that Kirk Cousins, like he has been for the last handful of years, you know, takes every snap or just about every snap or he sits out, it's week 17, it's a meaningless game, but that he doesn't miss games due to injury. You know, if you can promise me that, I feel pretty good about them getting to double-digit victories. You know, and, and Eric Hendricks doesn't miss five games, and Anthony Barr doesn't miss 15 games, and, you know, go up and down the list. But, yeah, if, if they can maintain health, I feel pretty good about this team's chances, even with everything going on. 
Doogie, before we get to Twins, uh, I won't sound the breaking news alarm for this, but Brian Murphy reporting, uh, he's breaking that a grand jury has indicted Jeff Gladney on two felony assault charges for the confrontation with his girlfriend. If he is convicted, the Vikings quarterback could be sentenced to two to ten years in prison. He remains free on $10,000 bond pending his trial. Yeah, I mean, the Vikings haven't played yet. Today was the day, so Murph has been all over the Gladney situation for a while. I also didn't get people knocking Murph or knocking on Gladney's door. Oh. Last week. Yeah. That's what you do in this Smurf, business. Man. Like Paul McEnroe, the late great Paul McEnroe, my yep. mentor, one of my mentors. Yeah. Like be where the story is. Yeah. Paul McEnroe is was yeah, one of the greatest investigative journalists in the country mm-hmm. heck, on this planet for decades, in large part because he would do stuff like that. He would mm-hmm. talk to people that other people just couldn't get access to. So Murph found, did the right thing. He, he found, found Demetrius Underwood. Mac did. He found him in a Philadelphia hotel, which is one of the most incredible stories that we don't have time for right now. Uh, take us inside the the boardroom at Target Field. <laughs> Derek Falvey, Thad Levine, and a bunch of cell phones. Um, let's start with Jose Barrios. What was what? led up to the not surprising trade there though did did they circle back with him on a contract start with that one and you know what took place right before the Brios trade to the Blue Jays Dukes well before I give you on Barrios just one leftover note on Gladney sure I'm still upset that they passed on the Utah cornerback who ended up in Chicago who's like two years younger than Gladney like when guys are close and Jalen Johnson was coming off a, a minor injury but they had the medical uh, reports on him they felt comfortable enough I think taking him they just viewed Gladney as a better prospect like in hindsight they really messed up the Gladney pick and even if if the news didn't come down today he still was staring at a multi-game suspension not in camp like if you're a Vikings fan don't expect anything from Jeff Gladney for the foreseeable future okay on Barrios no it was it was about a two-second conversation I know Thad Levine was was leading that charge to, to some extent, uh, but it was very quick. I mean, Thad was distraught, didn't want to have to move Barrios, but uh, Jose seems to be, you know, clinging to to the love of, of hitting the free agent market at 28 years old, winter of 2022. Now, could the Twins, we could argue this, Judd, if you're the Twins, if you had offered Jose Barrios the Zach Wheeler contract, or maybe even a little bit higher, tick higher, let's say five years, $120 million. Does he really say no? Does somebody come in with a contract that's basically the same? Well, but I'm saying if the Twins made the offer now, let's say on July 28th, oh, 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 if, late if last week before now, the deadline, the Twins were willing to do no, that deal right that. now. Yeah. He takes that, doesn't he? But they wouldn't do it. They wouldn't do it. No, yeah, that, that's my point. The Twins yes. never came close to, to making Jose an offer that he couldn't turn down. And that would have been... Zach Wheeler money, way above Lance McCullers yes. junior money. And we can debate whether that would have even made sense. Like you can argue Jose has hit a ceiling, even though he's still young, he's not getting any better. He's good, but he's never going to be a superstar. He's never going to be great. So you don't pay a guy like that $24 million a year. So I understand that, you know, but, but to answer your question, no, they, they never really re-engaged the Brios camp on extension talks. So they came to the conclusion they can get more now than in the winter, than at the trade deadline next year, than if they had played this thing out next year, then tendered him a contract and landed a draft pick with even the CBA expiring. I think that part of the CBA will probably still stay intact, that if you lose a free agent but you tender him a qualifying offer, you can end up with a really good draft pick. But the way they weighed it, with mm-hmm. Woods Richardson, the pitcher, with with Martin, the position player, who looks like he's going to end up starting in center field initially here for Wichita starting tonight or tomorrow. I know he's meeting the media tomorrow. Uh, he gets to Wichita. I, I think maybe even got there last night or over the weekend. Should be in the Wichita lineup tonight, but it, it sounds like he'll play center field initially, but could still end up at, you know, maybe second base. But that the Twins viewed Austin Martin's bat as high upside, that they viewed Woods Richardson as a high upside arm. They view both guys. Now we can debate this, but they view both guys as top 50 prospects in the game that the offer was just too good to up. I'm told that they had four different pretty good offers to choose from. The Padres were in it until the end. I don't have specifics on what the Padres were offering, but clearly the package that they preferred was Austin Martin and Woods Richardson. 
Doogie, what about uh, uh, Michael Pineda, Andre Elton Simmons? Were, were there any offers for either of those two guys? I, I, I'm shocked that, no, that they weren't able to move one of those two. Yes and no. So yes on Pineda, no on Angelton Simmons. They literally did not get one offer on Angelton Simmons. It's sad. I mean, the Reds had scouted him. The A's had some interest, but I think in the end, the A's made some other moves and said, hey, you know what? Is Angelton Simmons better or, heck, marketedly better than Elvis Andrews? Let's just keep rolling with with Elvis at shortstop. It's not like Angelton's going to help us that much. So the A's did not make an offer. The Reds did not make an offer. I guess they feel comfortable with Kyle Farmer at shortstop. So, yeah, not one offer on on Simmons. But, yeah, if they wanted to trade Pineda, now the return would not have been great. But if they wanted to move Michael Pineda, they could have moved Michael Pineda. They have not engaged his camp on extension talks at all. But I think they do have interests after the season in re-signing him that they would like Pineda in the 2022 rotation. He can also eat up some innings the rest of the way. You know, they're watching innings very closely, like Bailey Ober over the weekend in St. Louis was pulled after four innings again, just because if you look at his lack of work in 2020, you know, just, you know, and we can debate that point, but they're being very cautious. Now, I talked to Rick Knapp, the Rays AAA pitching coach, on the two guys they got for, for Nelson Cruz. He told me that they've been going with six-man rotations, that those guys' innings load-wise are not up there, that, that Rick Knapp feels like Joe Ryan and Drew Strotman can both pitch in September. And Joe Ryan of the two is probably closer to joining the Twins. Strotman had a little bit of a rough debut for the St. Saint Paul Saints the other night. But that hopefully we see Joe Ryan in September. That would be my hope. But you still need a guy – to eat up some innings, especially after you made the Jay Hat move, which I'm still shocked that they got anything <laughs> for Jay Hat. That, that was the most perplexing thing. Like, what what are the Cardinals doing? I have no idea. They also traded for John Lester, which yeah, doesn't make a whole lot a of sense. Year. I mean, if anything, the guy the Twins got, who will be in their bullpen. I mean, he's in their bullpen. He was in the other day in St. Louis, Gant, and he'll be in their bullpen next year. I think he's he's a member of the Twins next year that they tender him a contract. Yeah. I would have if I'm St. Louis with his starting background, I would have felt better, even with his high walk numbers, I would have felt better throwing John Gant on the mound than Jay Happ. Just start Gant the well, rest of the way. That was that was a weird one. And and why if you're the Cardinals, why wouldn't you aggressively um go after Pineda then? Like I would much rather have Pineda than Happ. Yeah, well, uh, I don't know if the twins would have done that specific trade. No, but I'm saying I might have done yeah. a better deal to the Twins if I'm the Cardinals for Pineda, who, who I actually like. Well, uh, I like him too. Jay Happ, I have, I don't think there's, there's no there there. There is no there there. After his first four starts, yeah. like he literally has given up a run in inning. If you take out the first four starts, if you go back his last, you know, 14 starts, it's literally mm-hmm. like a run in inning. It's yeah. just about, the, the numbers are, they blow you away. I'd also say, the Cardinals don't really have a, a super realistic path to making the postseason. So, like, are you giving up a lot for a pending free agent when your chances of making the playoffs that's are an, 5%? Then don't get Jay Happ, though. That's well, my point. Th- that was the weird thing. That's weird about it, yeah. Just keep just keep Gant. I'm sure they didn't want to pay Gant, whatever it is, even if it's, you know, $1.3 million. I'm sure they decided they weren't going to tender him a contract for next year. They didn't want Gant on their 40-man roster yep. next year. So let's just free up that that space right now. Hey, last thing. Do you think now that Barrios is gone, Dukes, um, at some point in time here, probably w- once we hit the winter, that the Twins are going to circle back with the Buxton camp? and Because there's just – if both of them get dealt here, I that's hard to swallow. I get one of them. I don't love it, but I get it. But I got to think that you now go back to the Buxton camp with a, a reality check on your offer and up that thing $100 million over, let's say, five years. Yes. Do you see that? Yeah. I mean, for those watching on YouTube, I'm nodding my head. Yeah. I'm, Jed, I'm positive on this. They are going to re-engage the Buxton camp in extension talks. And, yeah, I feel darn confident they are going to go up from, from that $80 million guaranteed. Now, whether he accepts, that remains to be seen. But, like, can I see a pathway to Buxton being here long-term after everything that took place last week? I can. Yeah, I, I really can. I would not be shocked if if Buxton ends up, if, if the two sides end up coming 
to a happy medium. Awesome stuff, Dukes. Thank you. Okay. See you, boys. Dukes, thanks, care. man. All right. Appreciate it. The Federated Challenge, supporting Big Brothers Big Sisters, hosted by my great friends at Federated Insurance. This amazing event brings together a group of community-focused and generous businesses and individuals to raise money to support Big Brothers Big Sisters, a 116-year-old one-to-one mentoring organization. Since 2005, the Federated Challenge has raised over $41 million and has helped ignite the potential of our nation's youth. Special thanks to Sid Investment Associates, Stony Brook Capital, and Taft for their support. Just because Mackie goes away does not mean that we steer away from all of our benchmarks. Random season recall will wait because we, need, we do need to be at full strength for that one. Yeah. But, yep. And you know what? More camera space for us. Exactly. Dude. Look at all this. See a little bit more room. More you get to see a little bit more, more of, more you know of all the I good stuff. Here? Yeah. For, for those who are consuming the show on YouTube, I can, I can include a bobblehead at my home here because I've got a... Jorge? Miguel Sano. Oh, Sano. Miguel I Sano shows Jorge. up. No, no, no. Okay. I don't think there's been one. I, I don't... Yeah, they're That'd probably, be a good one. That would See? be a good one. Well, Miguel Sano. I now, like it. Unfortunately, unfortunately, he's about to strike out. Poor little guy. Well, you, well, you know what Miguel Sano should maybe be what focusing on after this season, Judd? What should he be focusing on? He should on maybe be going to uh, PXG Minneapolis and Southdale Center. And you know what, Miguel? Once you get one of those big boy drivers, because there, there's plenty of options that you could go. You can get the Gen 4 clubs that are there. Uh, there's mm-hmm. the prototypes that are there, the 811X prototypes, the 0211 drivers. I know Miguel Sano can hit bombs, okay? I know he can hit bombs. I can only imagine when he steps up to the tee on a par 5, 500-plus yards out, and I know he's going to absolutely bomb it down the fairway. One of those oh, yeah. Gen 4 clubs could absolutely be in play. And for me, I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out how to continue to Why break this 100. I think yeah, i got to go and get one of these new putters. Judd, let, me yes. re- let me read you some of these putters well, at PXG. First off, tell us what you use, which I didn't know until yesterday and then and then tell us how much the pxg putters would improve your chances i am using a mini putt putter basically it's older than me it looks incredible because you're serious about golf now it it literally looks like a car like a like a like a tv remote it is it's not what are you doing i know so i need to go to pxg get one of these new putters let let me just read you some of these putters that pxg has at their disposal the blackjack the one and done. I think that one might be it, Judd. The one and done. <laughs> Just one putt. I'm in. I'm good. The closer. Mm-hmm. The bad attack. The spitfire. You tell me. You hear all these putters. Oh, no. Closer. The closer? Go with the closer. Okay, I'll go with the closer. Because you're trying to close the deal. Right. I'm consistently breaking 100. With, go with the closer. This is what I'm trying to do, and our friends at PXG Minneapolis and Southdale Center are going to help me out. They can help you out. Check them out. PXG in Southdale Center. Yeah, go there. Get a putter, my man. I'll They'll help you. I think and I'll have get to. me a shirt. A shirt? Yes, I'll get you some swag. I know you would I'd love like some, some swag. swag. I know you would love Don't some golf, swag. But I'd like some swag. Exactly. All right. Shall we do it? Who gets who it? Who gets it and who doesn't? I'm going to let you start. And, and I have a few. You were, I would say, because you, you still, you're young. Deep down, you love the Vikings. Like, you really do yeah, care a lot. Yeah, of course I do. And But, I mean, you still have hope that this can all end well and high hopes. I would describe your mood as not completely but close to despondent yesterday. The Chad Graff story in The Athletic Today, if the Vikings indeed are near the bottom of the league in in vaccinated players, and we know for a fact that there's five or more starters, um, I got a feeling I know where you're going to start. But, okay, who gets it? Who doesn't get it? Well, the Vikings don't get it. The Vikings 100% do not get it. And I got hammered in our YouTube comment section yesterday for being too negative or or maybe uh, I, sounded like, negative. I sounded like Jerry Seinfeld apparently when I get too riled up. And I, I guess, what's the deal with the Vikings? I guess that is me now. That's not a bad thing. To, to, no, I'll be Jerry. I'll be Jerry. Uh, but I saw no, that one. But yeah. I'll, I'll tell you who doesn't get it. And it's the Minnesota Vikings. It, it, for God's sakes, these last four or five days, it's classic Vikings. We wrapped with Royce earlier this morning. We said the same thing. This is this is starting to feel again like 2010, 2011 for the Minnesota Vikings. Um, the vaccination rates are low. Dakota Dozier is still getting run. Um, the the head coach is pissed off. Uh, I I thought Green Bay was dysfunctional, and and you know what? They're far from being a perfectly ran organization by any means, right there. Yeah, because they're in yeah. they're in the camp too right now with the Vikings of being dysfunctional. I, the, the Vikings absolutely do not get it. Uh, I'm, I'm now I know starting to question everything with their free agent additions. I just I, I am absolutely perplexed. 
I don't know how now you can look at this and say you just sweep it under the rug and you'll get it figured out. There's a bunch of starters who apparently are not vaccinated. Just for God's sakes, the league has set things up for you. Science has set things up for you. Your health providers have set things up for you, set things up for you for this to be a swimmingless process and for your own personal beliefs. Yes, you are allowed to have your personal belief, but when you are a football team and there's protocols in place and you're trying to create a greater good that everyone's trying to accomplish and make everyone happy, you do have to abide by things you might not agree with. Do you think if I sat down with Mike Zimmer and had a glass of red wine and we talked about the world's differences, do you know how many things Mike Zimmer and I would probably agree on? Less than 10%. I can guarantee Mike Zimmer and I don't see eye to eye on a lot of things in the world. He sees this vaccination. He sees the variant. He sees COVID as a a significant situation. And the league and doctors have put in places to make this a seamless process, an easier process. I won't say it's seamless, but an easier process. And there's players on this team, prominent players, who are making the decision to not do this just because of their own personal Right. You won't go to jail. That is fine. We've all we've all can understand that. But for God's sakes, get the vaccine. Let's win a bleeping Super Bowl. That's what I care about. I don't care about your personal beliefs, dude. I want to see this team in a Super Bowl and you're putting it behind the eight ball by putting your personal choices in front of you. Sounds like a T-shirt. From Chad Graff story, according to a source. One unvaccinated Vikings player told another that he'd rather sit out the season than receive the vaccine. Bye. Bye. Could be your that could be your quarterback, my man. We don't know. Honestly, we, I we I, know. I just okay. it, it's so frustrating right. to me, dude. Okay, I'm gonna give you a who gets it. Okay. And again, for the second consecutive day, it's bizarro world, I'm going to give you a positive thing. You know who gets it? Jake Browning. Jake Browning is now now I feel bad because I'm pretty sure that his right arm is going to become detached from his body soon after the amount of passes he threw on Saturday. And then while Case Cookus was practicing yesterday, he basically was in drills handing off. And again, all of the passes essentially went to Jake Browning, including a nice uh, 40-yard touchdown pass to Justin Jefferson, which you can find on the Score North Twitter feed because I sent it to Dex and Dex posted it. Uh, but Jake Browning is, and it's practice, okay? So I'm not trying to say he can step into a game. I have no idea. But Jake Browning is making the most of an opportunity that is golden. And and he went, in my opinion, Dex, into camp as the second QB. So the depth chart going into camp, I think, was Cousins, Browning, Mon, Stanley. Um, but I don't know that Browning had it wrapped up at that time. And unless the Vikings are going to go out and get a veteran quarterback to back up Cousins because they're fearful that Kirk is going to miss games and that they want a veteran in that role, um, Browning has this – Has if they're going to stick with their current quarterback, Browning has this wrapped up, and it's been impressive and good for him. Yeah. Good for him because this is tough. Like, I mean, he's out there throwing every single pass. You're supposed to have four QBs, Dex. So Jake Browning gets it, and Jake Browning is getting a great opportunity and making the most of, of that. Again, I bring positivity. This is completely bizarre. You're melting down. Mackie was <laughs> very concerned yesterday, and Judd Zolgad shows up with a positive yeah. outlook on things. I know. It's shocking. It's absolutely shocking. But, yeah, kudos to Jake Browning, man. I mean, 90 passes on Saturday, that was a lot. And, I, you know, I'll eat some crow here that I always thought, all right, how much is a practice squad QB for two years really matter? I mean, is he really going to make a difference? Is he just a body? Is, is it more than just a body? Is he just a brain in the room? Is he just someone to lean on during, you know, film reviews and this, this, and that? And for him to step in, throw 90 passes on Saturday, and nearly took your head off with a deep throw to, a, to K.J. Yeah. Osborne, um, yeah. he, he, he absolutely gets it. And I, do, I agree. Even if, even if uh, Kellen Mond didn't get COVID uh, and also his sideline here for a little bit, we all thought that Browning pried the leg up on the number two. I think it's wrapped up. And and honestly, our friend Chris Long, man, if there was actual bets that were be could be made on plus seventy five hundred for Mister Mankato, that would have been one hell of a payout. And right now, Jake Browning, I mean, he he's he's probably in the top three with KJ Osborne. I I, I would say he's yep. definitely in the top three for Mister Mankato. Was we might have to update that every week as we go through training right. camp here. But he's definitely. Uh, in, in the top three for leading candidates to win Mr. Mankato. I, I was very impressed. It is pretty damn cool to see him step in and, and do that. I liked it. Um, I'll give you a who gets it. Okay. And it might be a little untraditional, but I actually am applauding him for doing this. 
Because yesterday I saw a lot of flack for it on Twitter, and even this morning as we were recording on, on Tuesday morning, um, as well, some people still are a little confused and they're waiting to do, some, do something. Gerson Rosas gets it. He gets it for biding his time. He gets it for not making a knee-jerk reaction. He gets it that this is a little bit of a complicated situation. There's not a lot of cap space at play. Uh, you haven't had draft picks. Do you want to attach a first-round pick to get something you really, really want? You have to figure out and weigh out these options. Gerson Rosas, friend of the show, has come on here before, talked about trades, talked about always wanting to be in discussions to making uh, making big moves and improving this team. But he didn't go out once free MC opened and threw a lot of ball at people, uh, threw a lot of money at, at people. I saw Lonzo Ball got a humongous contract from the Chicago Bulls, okay? They're, they're, this NBA free agency money is crazy. It's absolutely crazy because of the new TV deals, and rightfully so. But Gerson bided his time. He's waiting. He's waiting for the perfect time to strike to figure out what he can add to this team. It has to be very calculated. And I applaud Gerson. You know, how many times, Judd, did Chuck Fletcher of the Minnesota Wild just throw money at something? Paul Fenton with Matt Zuccarello on that five-year no-move clause just to do something. I applaud Gerson Rosas for taking the time to figure out what the addition is before just making a knee-jerk reaction. If you have a plan, and you should in that job, that's the best idea. Like it, you're you're right, and and he had a good 2021. But Zuccarello is the poster child, right? Like we got to get somebody. Okay, I'll just give him a no movement in what five years, and I believe everybody else came in one year less. And Matt's is like, okay, thanks, Paul Fenton. Yeah, you've got to have a plan and a strategy, and and I know that the start of free agency is more fun when your team participates. And if you're a Wolves fan, last night was a buzzkill, especially after a draft in which you, you had zero draft picks and didn't pick one up. But that being said, yeah, I would much rather, if there's a plan here, if there's a strategy here, and I think that there is, I would prefer that over, yeah, we signed a guy to a five-year contract, and now we're stuck. Because the worst part is, and now we're stuck. So, yes, I am with you on that one. All right, I'm going to go with a who doesn't. Okay. I'm going to go with fans of United States Olympic bas- men's basketball. Okay. So the men's basketball team, you know, oh, man, they're losing to so-and-so. Oh, man, they might not win gold. Okay, let's review here. I believe it was in the 88 games when the last year that the U.S. set amateur players and they didn't win it. And so, if I'm not mistaken, Dex, in 92, we sent the Dream Team, which was everyone and their brother who was great at basketball to show the world our dominance. And then subsequent dream teams uh, and teams stacked with all-stars and talent from this country went and dominated, okay? We proved that we can do it. And so subsequently now, and I don't blame them, a lot of players like LeBron James are like, you know what? No, thank you. And so we send lesser players. And we're upset when we don't win. We proved that if we send our best players... We will win. And if we don't, basketball is a world game. We won't. Let's go in four years. Let's go back to amateur basketball players, okay? Because who cares at this point? And I will reiterate again, I do not want to see guys who just got done with the playoffs who are very important to their team, but probably not the best players in the world, wasting their time playing summer league basketball that's like playoff games. This is my objection to shutting down the National Hockey League season to go to the Winter Games. My objection is you put these guys, Dex, in a place of playing incredibly um, incredibly aggressive, high-intensity games, right? But they're participating in a season. Like, that's like, and then they're fried by the playoffs, which I don't want. So, Olympic basketball, let's, from this country... Start sending amateur players again. And if they win, that's awesome. Kudos. That was fun. And if they don't win, I don't give a damn. And in 50 years, we can again say, let's send a dream team to show our dominance, and I'll be dead, and that's fine. But, like, this whole thing about, well, they didn't win, now they're not going to win. I mean, yes, our, our good players but not great are not going to dominate. That's fine. We already proved if we want to, we can. That's the point. Let's leave the party now and send kids to play, and they can have fun. And if they get drilled, I don't care. 
Look, I Seriously. like. I know. I like the Olympics. It's it's a cool time, but some of these basketball stands are 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 pretty nuts, man. I I, I hear you. It is is that I mean, is absolutely but, nutty. But they're acting like oh, the United States. I mean, what's happening? I'll right. tell you what's happening. We proved we kicked ass, and now th- those guys, the best guys, are saying I need yeah. time off. Goodbye. And they're right. Yeah, and they're right. No, they're right. They're totally right to do that. Th- this Ron trunc- needs time off. This this is a truncated season. It's been crazy with COVID too. Then the situation over there isn't exactly under control. So. I don't fault LeBron James or other big-time stars. No Kevin Durant's there, but I don't fault big-time stars uh, not wanting to go out and play and the I don't Olympics. want Durant there, and I don't want Durant there. Durant is hurt far too much playing for the Nets to have him playing again high-intensity summer league basketball. All right, I don't I'm, like that. I'm going to piggyback perfectly off your point with Olympic basketball. And yesterday, and I'm even seeing it again, again this morning, you know who doesn't get it? Ricky Rubio stands. Ricky Rubio stands do not get this. So okay. he goes off yesterday. Good for him. I'm happy for him. I'm glad that he had a great showing for Spain. That's amazing. I'm, I'm so happy for him. Good for him. And then, oh, four days prior, we trade him. And, and now, oh, my God, classic Minnesota sports. Look at him balling out in the It's the Olympics. I don't. It's not the NBA season. This isn't game six of a first-round playoff Gramlin. series. He's the same guy. Superstar. He's the yeah. same guy as Mikhail Granlin. I don't care that Ricky Rubio balled out for Spain and the Timberwolves traded him four days prior. Okay, no. he he was a nice... He, I will say this. When he left the Wolves the first time, he had a nice little resurgence there in Phoenix and Utah. The infrastructure around him was better. This year, there was still high hopes because you could run it back again. He had he was a little out of shape. He had some COVID issues. It, it was a slow burn. I, he was you know very monumental to Anthony Edwards' development. That's all good and gravy. I don't care that he balls out in the Olympics. I don't care that you traded him four days prior. This team is better without him. Ricky Rubio was a fun prodigy and one of the best human beings ever. But in terms of helping out the Minnesota Timberwolves, being a better basketball team, I can tell you right now, the team is better off without Ricky Rubio. And clearly, Ricky Rubio is better off without the Minnesota Timberwolves. Ricky Rubio stands. You do not get it. You don't get it. Do you remember Granlund in the Olympic Games? My God, was he good. Yes. The bigger ice, oh, yeah. the bigger ice, the different rules. And I thought to myself, oh, my God. Oh, oh he's got it now. <laughs> right. He's got, and, he, and he came back, and he was the same. I mean, he's fine. He, he was a good player, but my God. All right. Who gets it? I'm going to give... I'm going to criticize the Twins by hmm. by complimenting other teams. Okay. The White Sox, the Blue Jays, and any other team that at Friday's Major League Baseball trade deadline went for it and even gave up prospects that their their fan base in in doing shows on the Brioche trade, we saw this directly from Toronto fans giving up prospects that their fan base didn't want to give up because you know what they're trying to do, Declan? They're trying to not only make the playoffs but they're trying to position themselves to make a playoff run. And you just keep coming back to the assumptions of the 2019 Twins, don't you? Oh, man, we're going to be good for a long time. We can't make a trade now. Let's just make a couple small deals. Um, When you're in the midst of a historic home run season, when you have a team that's just clicking, I, I mean, it's just a special year. The White Sox, the Blue Jays, and teams like that that looked at their circumstances right now, not in three years, and said, no, damn it, we're going for it, they get it. There is nothing more dangerous in sports, Dex, than assumptions. Oh, man, we're going to be good for a long time. Don't worry about it. Don't, don't, don't sweat. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole other story, and you can talk about that sometime. But I'm going to talk about how sports. Um, yeah, so relationships are sports. Don't ever assume the future. Don't ever assume that you're going to be good. Oh, we're going to win a World Series in three years, so we can't make that trade. The Chicago White Sox are the poster child because they are. um, Now, it's not the same as home runs go because they actually don't hit a ton, but they are having the type of season that the 2019 Twins did, right? Like they're way out in front. The Central Division is theirs. They could have stood pat, and they would still win it by nine games. But what, but what did they say? They said, our bullpen and our pitching needs improvement for the playoffs. Screw the division for right. the playoffs, right? What if what if the Twins in 2019 had said that? What if the Twins had said, okay, we got the division locked up, but when we go into, let's say, hmm, let me think out loud here, Yankee Stadium, 
that in game two, we might not want to start Randy Dobnik or our bullpen. Our bullpen has to be has to be top to bottom better. Right. Think about that. So the White Sox completely get it. They are making the moves the 2019 Twins should have made. And I hope Derek Falvey is watching because sometimes you have to sacrifice to get where you want to go right now. The Meadows at Mystic Lake is hosting the 2021 Land Lakes Legends Classic August 6th and 7th. See some of the greatest names in the history of women's golf as they compete in the inaugural Land of Lakes Legends Classic presented by the Meadows at Mystic Lake. The Legends of the LPGA Tour is known for its fan-friendly environment with lots of opportunities for autographs, limited roping, and photo ops after the rounds. To learn more about the August 6th and 7th event, stop in or visit GolfTheMeadows.com. That's GolfTheMeadows.com. Owned and operated by the Shakopee and Walkington Sioux community. Yeah, actually, I asked Jake to pew this question on Friday when we were breaking down the last minutes of, of the MLB trade deadline. Revisionist history, if you could go back and you could go back to the 2019 trade de- deadline, which I believe, you know, Zach Greinke was a possibility. You know, Marcus Stroman got traded to the Mets. Uh, Mad yep. Bum was available, not the same guy he was, but there was, there was guys to be had, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Would you rather go back to 2019 and redo that trade deadline to get maybe one of those three guys I listed? Would you rather go back to 2010 and pull off the trade for Cliff Lee? Um, it, it, it's, it is a fascinating Boy, like one that. to me. I think I would have done 2010. Depew said 2019. I get that. That lineup was definitely more top to bottom, better. Right. Obviously, the best home run hitting team in Major League history. But I think in general, if you would have had Cliff Lee, Lariano going into that one, two, I still know there is a little bit of questions on the back end there. But with Pavano as your three, I, I think I would have done that trade. I think it would have, if I could go back in time and do one of those two over, I probably would have done 2010 again. I love that one. So I, I guess what frustrates me more about 19, though, is this. The 2010 lack of a Cliff Lee trade was mm-hmm. sort of how that ad, that administration operated, so it didn't really shock me that they didn't. Falvey was new and right. had the opportunity to move, and he basically pulled a Terry Ryan or Bill Smith, or worse than that, by doing nothing. Um, that's a really good question. I, I think I would take 2010 just because – if you plugged in uh, the 2010 Cliff Lee into that rotation, it gets damn good. Granky could have blocked a trade here, and I think he might have. But that does not mean that you couldn't have gone out and solidified things. Sure. Um, and and again, that it's inexcusable to have to explain to the players on the 2019 team that Randy Dobnik is starting game two. Like how how do you go to Nelson Cruz, who was you know marvelous that that year, right? And you know, is I think he's 39 at the time and had this great year. How do you go to him, Declan, and say, hey, Nelson, here's what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, what? Who's starting game two? The Dauber. The Dauber. Like, 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 but I mean, how do you sell that in a clubhouse? Because sports is, there are so many ingredients that bring a year like that together. Like, there's a lot of different things. Um, and chemistry is big. And some years things just go well, and you parade Randy Dominic out there in Game Two is like your answer. I know man. that is look. That's looking the baseball gods in the face and saying, "Ha ha, we got you. We'll be back." And they're like, right. "Oh no, no." So anyway, I have I have one more who gets it, and it's kind of actually it's not contradictory of your last one, uh, but it's maybe the opposite of it. I I do say it, I I think Falvey and Levine get it that they handled this MLB trade deadline the proper way. It's sad that it took them being sellers for them to have their best trade deadline yet. And they've sold before, by the way. They've sold. They sold in 2017. They put it on Brandon Kinsler. They sold in 2018 when the Lance Lynn and and all those one-year deals didn't work out. They punted on Eduardo Escobar. But this year was a full-on selling. This was a fire sale. You got four good prospects in return for Jose Barrios and Nelson Cruz. You somehow... I don't know how, and I want to get Falvey and Levine maybe a couple cocktails or Surly's in to explain to me how in the belief they got J.A. Happ to go to the Cardinals and get actually two things worthwhile. Are they going to turn into prominent players on your roster to, to rebuild? Maybe not, but still someone took J.A. Happ, who was the worst qualified starter in baseball, essentially, uh, through the last three months of the season. So I, I applaud them. They realized it. I'm a big fan of outside of sports and in sports, a self-awareness. Falvey and Levine had the self-awareness to realize that this deadline had to be sellers, and they did that. They pulled off the trade. I'm actually going to when Joe Ryan does report back from the Olympics, I would love to go to St. Paul. I want to see this kid pitch. 
Might be at Target Field. Might be at Target Field even here soon enough. Who knows with how bad this pitching is for the Twins. So I applaud Falvey and Levine. They do get it. I struggle to applaud them, though, because the season is such a disaster. So, like, I... I know I'm you with you. I'm with you on, on the fact that it does appear and its appearances. We don't know for sure. It does appear that they got four good prospects back. That being said, how did you get here? Like this was you were supposed to be you were supposed to contend with the White Sox here. And I know th- that the Sox are really good, but you were supposed to contend with them, fight them. There, There is no. OK, Tigers, right? rebuilding still they've been terrible they're actually i think popping back up a little bit but no expectations right yep royals no expectations zero uh cleveland has been actively dumping and i don't know how they they continue at times to win games okay but cleveland has been dumping they've been dumping off pitching uh I, i mean hell they they traded their second baseman to the white Sox. so the expectations there i think are are tepid at best Minnesota Twins were supposed to be the only team in the AL Central decks to battle the White Sox. And it has been a disaster on every level. And by the way, a lot of it's your fault. Like, if you're the Twins, a lot of this is your fault. I know guys have been hurt. I know, you know, we we can certainly go down the Valley Sports North path and make excuses. But there's also a lot of things that they screwed up that they didn't do. I mean, signing happened the shoe in the first place. Just a complete boondoggle. So um, I'm with you in the fact that I I like the perception that they got good prospects if they felt that they had to pull the trigger on these trades. I can't give them a ton of credit because if there was an award for, for worst executives in baseball for 2021, these two might, might get it. Like it's been that bad. (laughs) It has. It has. Like every, almost everything. <laughs> and then you go and lowball Buxton. I mean, come I on. So I know. Anyway. All right. I, I'm done too. So I think we are uh, we are through here. Phil, by the way, back tomorrow for write that down, in which case um, I think we're all going to have about six Vikings write that down <laughs> tomorrow. Because yeah. there's a lot, there's a lot of predictions to be made. Um, and Kirk Cousins, I am told is going to return on Thursday and probably talk on Thursday or Friday to explain. And he has a lot of explaining to do. He is Declan. I am Judd. It's Mackie and Judd. Phil back tomorrow for Miguel Sano. Talk to you.